It's a movement, but it's about people. Be the People is about we the people joining forces to reclaim and reshape the best of our nation's time-treasured traditions. Each week, we offer insightful interviews with movers and shakers from all different spheres of life. And now, please welcome Dr. Carol Swain. Welcome to the Be The People show. Today, we're going to be talking about something that all America is concerned about at this point in time, and that's the coronavirus. But in particular, we're going to be talking about how the coronavirus is being politicized when it comes to Black America. And my guest today is Kathy Barnett. And Kathy is a very interesting woman who happens to be Black, and that's not, that's the least important thing about her. She's a veteran, she's a mother, she's a homeschooler, and she's someone who cares deeply about our nation. And so I would like for you to welcome Kathy Barnett to the Be The People show. We're going to talk about uh, a variety of things or a range of topics, but key among those will be Black America and the coronavirus and how that is being politicized. So Kathy, welcome to the Be The People show. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be on. Well, Kathy, I noticed that uh, you, um, I guess you ran across that article that was written on March 10th that talked about uh, Black America. Could you tell our listeners um, the gist of that article and how it made you feel? One particular article that, uh, that I read that referenced how the coronavirus uh, has the potential to affect uh, Black uh, minority communities more so than other communities uh, within our nation. And they were talking about it from the perspective of an income inequality. And for those who do not work, um, you know, in a particular job uh, that allows for sick, sick leave and uh, days off and things such as that, that, that the coronavirus may disproportionately impact them. Well, that is not the article that I was referring to, but yes, I think anyone that is a wage worker that does not have uh, the benefits that you get with uh, salaried jobs will be particularly hurt by this. The article that I was referring to talked about um, a lot about racism and they felt like the coronavirus was one of those things that could target uh, the black community more. And so that was, um, it was written by John Sims and David Love, Should Black America Be Worried About the Coronavirus? And when I saw the title, the first thing in my mind was, of course, we're all concerned about the coronavirus. I don't know yet um, if those concerns are overblown, but yes, of course, Black America should be concerned along with other Americans. You know, like there are some uh, metrics that do disproportionately impact one group of people versus another group, right? Um, and, and I don't know if, it, if they always fall along the uh, race line or if it's, uh, you know, access, who has greater access to things. And, you know, being someone who grew up below the, the, the bottom rung of the economic ladder, I know that there are disparities between those who have money, a good job, great education, two, 
to parents in the home versus those like myself who uh, grew up with, you know, with, with a single parent. Um, you know, not a really great job, uh, you know, low education level. So there are those particular disparities. And within those disparities, you do see people with, you know, who are living below the economic, uh, below the bottom rung of the economic ladder, you know, may not have access to health care or adequate health care, may not have um, access to knowing, you know, uh, what or have the ability to be able to stay home and not work. They may not have the ability to be able to provide uh, health care or, sorry, child care for their, for their children. So we know that those disparities exist, right? But of course, we have those in our, in our society today who never let a, a crisis go to waste. And they always find a way to interject racism. Right, this coronavirus uh, to date, I've been following it, like I'm sure you have and others have. I've been reading everything thing I can get my hands on um, um, on the uh, World Health Organization as well as the CDC, and I have yet to see anyone say that Black people are getting it or contracting the virus more so than anyone else in our in our culture. This virus does not discriminate. It does not discriminate based on color, based on gender. All of a sudden, the 57 different genders we, you know, uh, a, a certain segment of our population would have us to believe in is now saying, you know, it, it's now been brought down from 57 just to two, male and female. And you see that this <laughs> virus is not discriminating, um, again, on race, on gender, on sexual orientation, on economic uh, health or wealth. And so it is an equal opportunity infector. It does not care. But now, as a society, do we know that some people will be, you know, uh, may have a higher propensity of not having access to certain things that will help them thrive or be able to weather out this particular um, virus. And this morning I was up reading uh, the second phase of the first uh, uh, family's first coronavirus bill that just came out. Uh, we don't even know what the dollar amount on this one is going to be. The first one was $8.6 billion. This one that they're getting ready to pass, we don't even know what the dollar amount is, but now they're working on a third one that is going to be somewhere in the range of seven hundred fifty billion and eight hundred and fifty billion dollars. So, I mean, this we, is a time. This is actually a time for people or uh, for, for the Democrats to throw anything and everything into that bill. Any and everything, and we've already seen it, right? Nancy Pelosi, right out the gate. You know, the coronavirus wasn't killing enough babies. So, you know, right out the gate with the first bill, she was trying to maneuver and manipulate to make sure that the Hyde Amendment that prohibits federal dollars from being used for abortion uh, was not a part of the original uh, bill that was that was getting ready to be voted on. Republicans and others caught that. And, made, and had her to rewrite that particular uh, bill to make sure that the Hyde Amendment is a part of every last one of these um, uh, bills that are going through. People are not having enough time to sit and read it. It's almost like with the Iran deal, when Nancy Pelosi said you have to pass it before you know what's in it. We don't want a repeat of that, right? But we're in a crisis mode. Our uh, a third of our wealth as a nation uh, via stock market has has just 
fallen out the uh, bottom. And so we know that we have to respond. And as it relates to those minorities, primarily, who may fall at the bottom of the economic uh, ladder of life and may, and may be disproportionately affected um, because of that, uh, our president has made sure that things like sick pay, two-week sick pay, and then it is a part of uh, the part of this second bill. He's made sure that uh, that also um, up to three months of family medical leave is also provided for uh, for individuals, regardless of who you are. Uh, child care is being provided as well. Yes, uh, Kathy, I agree with you. And one of the problems that I see all the time that bothers me is that we always racialize everything. And many of the problems that we see affecting uh, communities that they disproportionately hit poor communities. And those communities are composed of, you know, whites, blacks, Hispanics, and other racial and ethnic minorities. And that I believe is very unfortunate that some of us tend to go there first. It is, right? I mean, and I, and I, and I get it to, to one extent. I mean, racism, I mean, uh, slavery did happen. It did happen. Uh, Jim Crow law did happen. And it wasn't a hundred years ago that Jim Crow law was around. I mean, do we know anyone who's, who was born before 1964? Uh, so, you know, some of those influences still may be here. But again, growing up in the deep south off a of pig farm in southern Alabama, I know what racism looks like. I know what it feels like. Um, and yet in this country, you have the ability to carve out a respectable life for yourself. Instead, Democrats will have us walking around like just because someone doesn't like the color of my skin. Oh, well, throw my hands up. All odds are against me. I guess I'll just go and sit down and wait for someone else to rescue me. And that's not the proper narrative to have. And, you know, um, I, too, come from a, a disadvantaged background, high school dropout, teen mom. And for me, this country has offered tremendous opportunities and my race, you know, for every time it disadvantaged me, I think it advantaged me also because I was bright and there were so many opportunities for people who were willing to work hard. And so I think that we have to keep that in mind. But I also want to say that I'm a part of the 1776 initiative being led by Bob Woodson. And one of the things that we're doing is pointing to the successes of, uh, of Black Americans that even the Blacks that came out of slavery, that many of them, you know, that they worked hard, they were entrepreneurs. I mean, they were building businesses and they had a high marriage rate and the Black community was thriving. And so I think that it's very difficult to look at all the successes of Blacks doing the worst part of American history and then look at today when people are so privileged and we have our young people on campuses saying that they are oppressed. Oh my goodness, preach. You are so <laughs> right on. In my book, I actually talk about, you know, I talk about this all the way throughout, but one, well, when I found this out, uh, one particular point, I was so shocked, you know, during, uh, during the height of the civil rights movement, black home ownership was at 41.1%. Uh, today, 56 years later, guess what that number is? 41.2%. Not, not much progress there. We, not much progress at all. So those Blacks, 
Uh, yes, I, I have it on my wall right now, a quote from Frederick Douglass. I mean, a slave. Uh, Booker T. Washington, I have his book behind me. I'm um, reading. A slave. Um, I mean, just wonderful people. Um, I love reading any and everything I could find out about Harriet Tubman. I named my dog Harriet Tubman. <laughs> Harriet Tubman Barnett. Uh, because I found that if I name my, my pets, uh, a, a, a historical figure's name, my children are more apt to learn about that particular figure uh, in, of history. But these are, uh, Madam C.J. Walker, these are people who, who, I mean, talk about oppression, talk about racism. These people understand it. And today, just because someone looks at me a certain way or say, I don't want to help you or someone, you know, just walk past me and don't speak, all of a sudden, I'm supposed to believe in in white privilege. I'm supposed to believe that I'm a victim. I'm supposed to sit back and wait for the government to offer me another program. Yeah, we know that uh, when it comes to privilege, that there are many uh, blacks that are privileged that, you know, descendants of free uh, slave, of um, free blacks, not all blacks uh, were slaves. And the first ones that came to America in 1619, those Africans, um, worked as indentured servants, they were released, many of them had skills, and they became the backbone of free blacks in America. We're going to take a break now, and when we return, I want you to talk about some of your uh, research, your books. Each week, the Be The People Show presents interviews with insightful guests from the world of politics, religion, media, and culture. The Be The People Show is on podcast. It offers bonus footage. To listen to Be The People online, go to the BeThePeopleNews.com website and subscribe to the Be The People podcast, heard also on the America Out Loud Network. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. As we celebrate our four-year anniversary, thank you for making it all possible. Well, should it news deliver truth and inspire us to reach higher? With blogs, podcasts, video, and 24-7 talk radio on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. We are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm back with my guest, uh, Kathy Barnett, and we're talking about, um, I, I don't know if it would be okay to say all things race, but we're talking about um, <laughs> America. And so, Kathy, uh, I believe you've written several books, but tell me uh, your most recent book. Tell yeah, us the title uh, of your most recent book. Well, actually, it is my first book. Thank you for giving me the honor of being in your category as someone <laughs> who has written numerous books. This is this just, just so happened to be my first of many Congratulations. Books. By the grace of God, I'm so excited. It went number one on Amazon, new releases. I'm so excited uh, for God's grace. Uh, it is called Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, Being Black and Conservative in America. 
And someone asked me, uh, Kathy, how long did it take you to write your book? And I thought for a moment and said, you know what? A lifetime. It took a lifetime uh-huh. um, uh, for me to be able to get, you know, to just, just to be able to stand in, in, in a particular place and time and look back over the course of my life and to see, you know, um, all the challenges, formidable challenges even. But, um, you know, how... I traversed those particular things. Um, who helped along the way? Um, what did I recognize and notice as a trend along the way? And to be able to stand today and say, let me share <laughs> with our community, our American community, some of the things that I've seen, that I've witnessed, and what it is we need to do going forward. That's great. And um, when was your book published? It was February 4th. Oh, so it is just hot off the press. It's hot off the press. I'm so excited. Now, of course, this coronavirus is, is, is throwing a, a wrench into my plans, um, has modified a lot of things, but the, um, but the reception of the book has been um, fabulous, been wonderful. I'm very grateful to God. Now, Kathy, uh, what would you say, um, you know, thinking about the book and the chapters that you've written, uh, what are the most important points that you think that a reader would benefit from, uh, what a reader would gain from reading your book? And what type of audience do you see uh, would benefit the most from it? And I know we want to sell books to everyone, but if you were everyone. buying a book for a particular person, what kind of person oh, would you give goodness. that book to? You know what, listen, um, I am a little black girl who grew up on a pig farm in Southern Alabama. I grew up below, as I said before, the bottom rung of the economic ladder. (laughs) I can barely tell my story without (laughs) crying a little because, you know, I grew up in a home with no insulation, no running water, an outhouse in the back, and a well on the side. I did not have, I grew up in a home and we did not have an outhouse, so you were privileged. Goodness. Well, you know, I didn't use that outhouse because to a little kid, it was dark and gloomy and I thought it was going to suck me in. So do you have siblings? I do. I have two younger brothers. Um, But you know what? No no one told me back then. uh, You know, my grandmother would ask me to help her in the garden and I thought she just wanted me to spend quality time with her. I never knew it was for our survival. Uh, But You know, I never had, even though I grew up in the deep south on a pig farm, very poor, I never recall once anyone looking at me and saying to me, you know, you're a victim, right? You know, you can't achieve, right? You know, all the odds are against you, right, Kathy? I never remember anyone saying that to me. I never got those messages when I was growing up either. And so as a result, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to go to college and become the first in my family to graduate. I didn't know that I shouldn't go into the military and spend 10 years uh, there in the U.S. Army Reserve. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't blink twice when I got my first job in the Wall Street environment or when I went into corporate America or as an adjunct professor of corporate finance or on Fox News speaking to million or writing my first book and now running for Congress. I did not know that I should sit and wait for someone to come and bail me out. A couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, uh, mocked the whole concept of a boot with bootstraps. Well, listen, I had a boot. 
It was the boot that was given to me. And by the grace of God, you have to look at those boots and say, well, now what do I do with this? What do I do with the boot I've inherited, right? I didn't put myself in this skin color, although if I could go back and had a choice in the matter, I would still choose to be a black woman. Um, but I had no choice in where I was born or how I was conceived or any of those things. But these are the boots that I've been that I've inherited. What am I gonna do with it? And my I mean, yeah. is that. Well, the whole thing, uh, the, I assume you share a Christian faith. I do. And, and you do. I mean, you believe that God orders the footsteps. He picks your parents and he opens doors. And I uh, never saw myself as a victim. And so I met you some years ago and you are an impressive young woman. I was not uh, fully aware that you were running for Congress. So tell us a little bit about... Um, why you decided to run for Congress? Yeah, you know, it is um, sitting back, looking at our nation and the trajectory of our nation and saying, you know, and looking for someone somewhere to swoop down and save us. And the thought, I literally, it like hit me between the eyes. What are you sitting back waiting for? Who are you waiting to swoop down and save you? Why don't you get involved? You know, and it reminded me of that quote from Edmund Burke, that the only thing that is necessary for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. And I believe politics is dirty by design. It is uh, uh, designed to keep good people on the sideline because who wants to be involved in that? Uh, right? And yet it's because good people have sat on the sidelines, we have created a vacuum where some of the most ridiculous, despot, evil, <laughs> downright insane ideologies are now uh, taking hold and are taking root in our nation. And they are literally trying to redefine what it means to be an American. Now, which uh, congressional district are you running in? And uh, when is your primary? Uh, I am not being primaried, so it's just me, uh, just me here uh, in the 4th Congressional District of Pennsylvania. And uh, so are you running against an incumbent? I am a uh, Democrat, uh, Mad Madeline Dean. That is her nickname she gave herself, Mad. Mad Madeline Dean. She sat on the Judiciary Committee that impeached our duly elected president. She's also one of the co-sponsors. Uh, to the new um, H.R. 5383 New Way Forward immigration bill that, again, literally redefines what it means to be an American. Now, someone who's run for office unsuccessfully for mayor of Nashville, and I have to tell you that I ran not because I had a burning desire to be a politician, mm -hmm. but because someone needed to be in there to articulate the conservative perspective. And... Um, I was running in an area, a city that's historically Democrat, never elected a black or a Republican to the mayorship. Uh, tell us about the congressional district that you're running in. Yeah, I was um, overwhelmingly endorsed by the GOP, the first uh, black person to ever be endorsed um, in Montgomery County. Montgomery County is the second wealthiest county uh, in the uh, state of Pennsylvania out of the 67. Um, it's such a wonderful county, very parochial. Everyone, you know, it's not uncommon to see people who know who know each other from 30 years ago. <laughs> That's very common here, although I've only lived here for a few short years. 
Um, but it leans uh, left in certain areas. Uh, it didn't always. It used to be solidly uh, uh, Republican, conservative. But like most conservative, like most Republicans, uh, I'm sorry, most Democrats, they never give up on a bad idea. So although they may be in the minority, they just continue to push and they push a little more and they push a little more until they become the majority. And that's exactly what they did in this district. Uh, now, uh, but it's, it's D plus seven. So it's not overwhelmingly. It's not like D plus double digits leaning Democrat. So this is very doable. This is her first term as an incumbent. Well, usually uh, money is a problem because I know that in my race, uh, the candidate that actually is the mayor, he was able to put in $2 million of his own money and uh, that we were running against an incumbent mayor. He raised like $1.3 million. I raised 375000 and I came within three points of defeating the incumbent mayor wow. and making uh, that runoff. Wow. So, yeah, I did well under those circumstances. But for you, has it been, uh, what's it like raising money for the race? Because when you come from a background that's disadvantaged, you can't go to your parents and ask them to, you know, dump a couple of million into your race or to somehow pass the money on to you. Yeah, well, no, I don't have parents I can go back to and say, give me a couple of million dollars. I did not inherit a couple of million dollars, and I do not have a couple of million dollars to pour into this race my own self. Um, now, before uh, COVID-19, right? So it's, post, it's pre-COVID-19 and post-COVID-19. Yes. Pre-COVID-19, I was on a roll. We um, Everywhere I show up, the rooms were packed out. Uh, you know how these things go. If you can get 20, 30 people in a, in, a, in, a, in a meet and greet, you're doing something. I'm packing out almost 300 everywhere I go. And my team and I, we had decided that we were going to take that on the road. And so we were bent on going from community to community uh, within my district and meeting people. And there's so much enthusiasm, people driving over an hour to meet me, standing in line for over an hour, because that's how long it took just to just to get to me, um, it was, it's been the most humbling time of my life. Uh, and then COVID-19 hit. And so now you can't go out and meet anyone. And for, and for uh, someone like myself, who's not the incumbent, uh, it is very important to be out there and meeting people and talking to people and sharing ideas. And so all of that has come um, you know, to a screeching halt, li literally. So, Kathy, we're going to take a, a brief break, and when we return, I want you to tell our listeners about how they can get a copy of your book, but also if they want to support your campaign, things that they can do. And if you have any parting words of insight for us, we'll receive those when we return. What if there was a book that took the mystery out of prayer, one that made it easier for people to pray God's Word with miraculous results? There is such a book. Joy Lamb's The Sword of the Spirit, The Word of God is a handbook that has changed the lives of thousands of people around the world. You can order your life-changing copy from Joy Lamb's website, thesoardofthespiritbook.com. Order Joy's book and listen to her audio prayers while you're there. You're listening to Be the People. Dr. Carol Swain is the mind behind Be the People news, radio, podcast, and YouTube. Be the People's mission is dedicated to empowering individuals to think independently, understand their responsibility, and believe in their unique ability to make a difference in the world. 
Check out Carol's work at BeThePeopleNews.com. To invite Carol to be your next keynote speaker, go to BeThePeopleNews.com. That's BeThePeopleNews.com. I'm back with my guest, Kathy Barnett. And so, Kathy, it's been a delight having you on the show, and I want to give you a few minutes to tell our listeners uh, where they can get your book, but also if they want to help your campaign, uh, any uh, social media handles, whatever you want to share, and then we will post links to all of that on the show description. Sounds great. Um, You can get my book, Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, Being Black and Conservative, Anywhere books are sold, uh, Barnes and Nobles, uh, Amazon, wherever, you can get nothing to lose, everything to gain, being black and conservative in America. And I would love for you to get the book, read it, and pass it on. Also, to, uh, to know more about our campaign, you can go to kathybarnettforcongress.com, kathybarnettforcongress.com. We have a Facebook page, Instagram page. We're a little bit of everywhere. We have our first virtual meet and greet now that we can't go out and physically meet and greet people we have our first virtual meet and greet coming up so please go to our facebook page kathy barnett for congress and you can be able to um to connect there we need money post COVID 19 uh has just you know caused us to reimagine a little bit of everything um so please consider donating because we have a lot that's up to get um, up for grab. November 3rd is coming, whether we like it or not. It's going to be here sooner than we think. And we have, uh, I'm a viable candidate. Um, uh, my story, myself, uh, my message resonates with people. And regardless of where you're living, it was not just your state's House of Representative that impeached this president. It was the House of Representative itself that impeached this president. This is um, a very weak candidate, and she will be beat. Um, I would love for your support because it does take money to win this race. Well, Kathy, thank you so much, and I wish you uh, the best with your campaign and with your life, and I know that you're going to remain an activist, and I admire so much the fact that you are homeschooling. I think more parents will be homeschooling maybe after this coronavirus, and I tend to hope and believe that good is going to come out of it. For one thing, we're going to be less dependent on China, and um, but the future is uncertain, And we need you in Congress. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And so, uh, folks, you've heard Kathy and her heart for America. And it's important for us as Americans to support candidates that share our values. As I always say, it's up to us, the we the people mentioned in the preamble of the Constitution. We elect the leaders. They enact policies and programs on our behalf. We must be the people who take responsibility for our nation and for our world. And one way to do that is by voting and supporting candidates. So thank you. And until next time, be safe.